This is Alex. And this is James. And you're listening to the American Toffee Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the American Toffee Podcast after a bit of an extended break. Uh, I know that we missed the post-match on Saturday following the 2-1 win versus Southampton, but we're going to touch on that in a little bit. We've got, got to break down you know, the lineup changes. I'm sure everyone knows what happened by now, but we'll discuss it regardless. We'll also be talking about uh, looking forward a little bit. We've got the international break, which is always a bit of a bummer. But uh, first, we want to lead with one of the reasons why we were uh, not able to record at the weekend, and that's because my good friend and co-host Alex Johnson had uh, gone to Seattle for the MLS Cup. Alex, you're now back home reflecting on the trip. Give us the lowdown. Give us all the deets. And it was crazy. It was it was awesome. I uh, Seattle Sounders are my MLS team, and they have been for just as long as I've been following Everton. I've seen them play in D.C., seeing as how I live in Virginia, but I've never been out to Seattle. And with Seattle being such underdogs throughout the postseason in Major League Soccer, it was decided, well, from today, about two weeks ago, that they would be going to the MLS Cup Final and actually host it. And for some reason, my gut just told me that that was the perfect time to go to my first home match. So I signed up. I ended up going solo because, uh, you know, with only like eight or nine days heads up, friends couldn't go and girlfriend couldn't get off work because she's a teacher. So I went solo. I went from Friday to Monday night, essentially. And I, uh, I went down to Pike Place Market, got a picture with the big replica MLS cup, um, did a bunch of stuff all around Seattle, naturally got a bunch of, uh, a bunch of new Sounders gear because I could. And uh, then I went to the match on Sunday. Um, I actually, there's, um, there's a big supporters group for the Sounders called Emerald City Supporters, or in other words, ECS. And they do a march to the match every home match in which everyone meets up in a place called Occidental Square, which is like three or four blocks from the stadium. And they kind of party there for a little while. And then you march to the stadium together throughout the street. Well, this time the club kind of sponsored it. Uh, Macklemore performed for free. I, I don't really care about Macklemore, but that was kind of cool. Um, and it was just, it was thousands of people gathered partying at 9 a.m., 8 a.m., having a good time leading up. We all marched the match throughout the streets, which was incredible. Um, and then it took forever, but finally got to my seat as the anthem was playing before the match was about to kick off. And um, the Sounders ended up winning 3 1, which is pretty much a fairy tale ending for me. I saw a bunch of former players whether that was at the march to the match or it was, you know, at CenturyLink Field, the stadium. It was just a really nice experience. And furthermore, you know, the point that I've been making to everyone is 69,000 people to watch soccer in America. I mean, to put that in perspective, right, we're talking about Goodison Park. It only holds what, like 40-ish thousand people? I mean, 69,000 people. And and don't hold me to this, James. But I heard someone... (laughs) Nobody should. But I heard someone saying that they were pretty sure that whatever it was, 69, 200, 200 people uh, was a record. And it um, actually surpassed even what the Seahawks could bring in terms of attendance to a game. So you're talking about the NFL in Seattle and, uh, and, and the Seattle Sounders could have possibly eclipsed that. And that's, that's insane to me. So it was an amazing experience. Um, it, it really, I'm so glad I went, although it cost a pretty penny, that's for sure. And it makes me really excited to go back. But, you know, at least I still have Everton. That's the nice thing about following the MLS is, you know, 
during during the summer, the MLS is still playing, even though Everton is gone. And once uh, the MLS is gone, we still have Everton. Soccer doesn't sleep. And I'm, I'm really happy. I'm glad you went. I'm glad that they won uh, and didn't pull an Everton and make you travel all that way to see them uh, capitulate and collapse. It was a great game, great match. I managed to watch most of it. I think I turned it on around the 20th minute. I had some stuff going on, but really exciting. And, you know, the first half was kind of holding down the fort, essentially, while they were just under relentless attack and then turned things on in the second half, maybe got the first goal a little bit against the run of play and then turned it on and, yeah, ended with a 3-1 victory, which really wasn't reflective of really what the scoreline should have been because, of course, Toronto's goal came so late and it didn't really mean anything. So really happy for you. Really glad it was a great experience. And honestly, I mean, I think I think it's kind of cool that you went alone uh, just to kind of experience everything for yourself. You get to do what you want to do. Don't have to deal with other people's itineraries or agendas and just have a really nice little vacation for yourself. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. You know, I was I was just slightly nervous about going alone and not not just the fact that I would be alone, literally only because I only really had about two and a half days there. And I didn't want to waste time by getting bored. For example, if you and I were to go together, going to dinner or going to lunch is an activity. We'd go eat, we'd talk a bunch. When you're solo, going to lunch, going to dinner is not really an activity. Don't get me wrong, I pigged out, but it's not the same, right? I mean, yeah, the food's great, but like you, you don't have people to talk to. It's not really a fun thing. You're not taking your time. And so I was nervous about that, but I mean, you know, I, I, I had a great time. It was a lot of fun. And it's interesting because, you know, I've felt honestly kind of judged quite a bit by like some coworkers and, and a couple friends because the first question is like, why would you go alone? You know? And it was just something that I really wanted to do. And I felt like I kind of deserved it. And I would, definitely recommend anyone, you know, take a small vacation and go solo because it allows you to kind of clear your head. And as you said, James, you can do what you want. You don't have to worry about, you know, oh, James would want to go to the, you know, Pike Place Market, but I don't, you know, you you just, you do what you want to do and you you get to think about whatever you want to think about and and you come back and you feel refreshed and it's a lot of fun. So, but did you see the Space Needle? Did you see the Space Needle? That's all I want to know. Yeah. So, the Space Needle is is uh, surrounded by a couple of museums, like the Museum of Pop Culture and, and uh, the Chihuly Glass Museum and Garden. I had all three of those places, the two museums and the Space Needle, on my list. However, Classic Seattle, I was actually very lucky. It only rained like two hours, Saturday morning, actually. But Saturday is when I could have gone and done it. I went to the Museum of Pop Culture right next to it, got a picture of it. However, it was super cloudy and foggy. And I didn't want to pay 30 or 35 bucks to get to the top of the Space Needle after waiting in line forever just to not be able to see anything. And actually, in talking to a co-worker today, I'm really glad I didn't because he said that that is exactly what happened to him when he went to Seattle. You know, the weather was okay, but it was kind of foggy. And as you get up there, you, he couldn't see anything. So unfortunately, I saw it. I got a picture of it from the ground. That's all that matters. I mean, as long as you saw it. I don't care if you went in it or whatever. I just want to make sure you saw it because I, j- I just feel like it's the most iconic thing in Seattle besides, of course, CenturyLink and the Sounders. And all the homeless. <laughs> yeah, that too. I mean, that's not quite as uplifting, but uh, <laughs> we'll That's not why people that. come here. True. Come this here isn't for an uplifting, uplifting this is, podcast. This is an Everton podcast. You come here for the worst of the worst. That's true. And speaking of the worst of the worst, which actually turned out not to be the worst of the worst, let's let's chat Southampton because it was a very interesting lineup. Um, of course, the first thing that jumped out to everyone, I think, 
when the team was released was the exclusion of Moise Keane and, I mean, Cenk Tosin in the starting 11, which we spoke with Ryan um, last Wednesday. And I said vehemently that I did not want Cenk Tosin to start. He did. Moise Keane excluded. And we found out after the fact that it was because of tardiness to a team meeting. Again, something that seems to be a bit of a recurring theme for Moise Keane, um, which he's young. Again, timeliness and punctuality is of the utmost importance if you're a professional in any industry, especially in one that comes under as much scrutiny as a professional footballer. But people were really upset when they saw he was excluded because they assumed that it was for performance or whatever. And to find out after the fact that it was kind of punitive for Marco Silva is a bit of a relief, especially when what else, what has come out um, after is that it wasn't, you know, there aren't big concerns about that. It's just kind of, he's adjusting to a new league, adjusting to a new country, new culture, all of those things. And he's still very young, 19 years old. So there's going to be some growing pains. And I think, you know, it's important to not, to hold him accountable for his mistakes and make sure that he learns from it. And that's really all we can hope for and expect to see Moise Keane back on the team sheet next match. I would be shocked if that's not the case. Absolutely. See, the thing is, I mean, everyone's late to work. We've actually touched on this back in September when the literally the exact same thing happened with the Italy squad and Roberto Mancini um, dropped him along with um, the one of the up and coming Italian central midfielders. Can't remember the name. It starts with a Z uh, because they were both late to a team meeting also. And, and Mancini literally said, you know, I don't like excluding these players, especially from the senior team, you know, and, and Euro 2020 qualifiers. But the point is, you know, he, he literally said it. I hope that I'm doing them a favor by holding them accountable and by showing them that, Yes, you're 18, 19 years old, but you know you are held to the same standard as everyone else in this room, and you've got to be there because you know how can they expect you to have their back, right? You know, on the pitch when when you're not there and taking a pre-match team meeting seriously. So it, it happens. It's not that big of a deal, in my opinion. Marco Silva, if anything, is is a really good man manager. I mean, look at any former player or current player that has played or is playing for him, and they'll just speak wonders of him. And so, you know, different players need different um, solutions in terms of what happens and how you deal with different situations. And, and I feel like he knows what he's doing. I think it's appropriate for Moise Keen and, and I think it'll be okay. I, and, and with that, I think, uh, I, I want to say I saw it from Patty Boyland in his athletic article, but with that, um, that was actually the reason that Anthony Gordon made the bench. He traveled with the squad, but he wasn't supposed to be in the 18 until Marco Silva said that Moise Keane was not going to be included because of it. And so Anthony Gordon made the bench. And I was really excited about that. I was hoping that we would go up, you know, three nil and then we could see Anthony Gordon for 15 minutes. Naturally, that didn't happen. And and that's understandable, but I, I can dream. Yeah, you texted me that uh, during the match that you hoped that we'd go up big and that Anthony Gordon would come in. And I said, do you really remember what team you're watching here? Like, we're not, no way we go up three nil, but we did go up one nil. We did go up 1-0 um, very early in the fourth minute through Tom Davis on the back corner off of a corner kick, which, again, uh, the announcer said it best on NBC Sports. They said, we're used to seeing Everton concede from set pieces, and here they are scoring a goal. And it was a really nice flick, I believe, from Mason Holgate. Tom Davies, right place, right time, smart to make that run to the back post, and he just kind of nods it in. Nothing the keeper can do about it. Great to see Tom on the score sheet so early on, and it was almost too early to some degree, like, you know, you don't want to score too early and just leave so much 
of the match left for the opposition to come back and come back they did. But I do want to circle back and just talk about the rest of the lineup changes because Fabian Delph was unable to make the squad. Um, hamstring problem lingers, continuing to be a problem. And I believe he was also sent home from the England England squad today or yesterday uh, back to Finch Farm to continue rehabilitation and work on that. So Schneiderlin came in, certainly not the most, uh, not one to get the fans worked up in a good way, more in a bad way. And he did that later in the match. And then Gilfie regained his spot and Alex Iwobi was moved to the bench. But we did get to see Richarlison on the left. And Richarlison had a probably his best match in a long, long time. Yes, and, and that's, that's what I've been shouting for. I think, I think we've both been in agreement that, you know, yes, we've had striker issues and, and yes, we're trying to find the right formulas, but it's been a month now and Walcott's been in, in form on the right, so we know that we haven't had to shoehorn him there. He ended up playing a couple matches at striker, which we know, I mean, he likes to play striker, but it's just not his strong suit in terms of the fact that he could offer so much more from the left. And he did. I mean, he looked good. As you said, he ended up scoring the second goal. Um, and and it just, again, it, it just comes down to the philosophy player, best players where they're able to succeed. You know, don't don't play one of your best players, you know, square peg in a round hole, just so that you could fit a mediocre one on the left-hand side, you know, or gamble with the left-hand side or striker. So it was it was definitely positive to see him. I think everyone was shocked that Jenk Tosin got the call up at striker. You know, I was calling for it a couple months ago, but that was before Dominic Calvert-Lewin started scoring, you know? So with that, I, I was kind of shocked. And, and to be honest, in terms of Jenk Tosin's performance, uh, it did allow Richie on the left, but I thought it, you know, it was very, very lacking. I, he didn't he didn't look as sharp in passing. Uh, he didn't look as strong or or uh, as good in the air, although uh, Vestergaard is, is a monster. But it, I was kind of disappointed. I guess that's just what is what happens when you don't play actively for about a year. Yeah. I mean, Chenk is who he is. I think we all have a pretty good idea of what type of player he's going to be for us for however much longer he plays for Everton. Can't fault his work rate. I mean, even in the press, he was working tirelessly, running all over the place, but it's just, he's just not as dynamic as the other options. I would have preferred to see Calvert-Lewin, but end of the day, we get the result. Um, of course, we, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Morgan Schneiderlin getting absolutely rinsed by Buffal, which then resulted in Danny Ng scoring, who just seems to love scoring against us. I believe that's his fifth goal versus Everton. Um, not great. And at that point, it could have gone one of two ways. We were either going to lose or we were going to somehow turn the tides and win. And we managed to do that fairly late on in the 70 or so minute. Oh, Alex Awobi receives the ball on the flank, waits for Sidibe to make the overlapping run, which is a really clever uh, decision because you guys should check out uh, David Hughes if you haven't. Um, he had a really good thread about it. We retweeted it where he just discusses how important it is for Awobi to wait for Sidibe to make that run because then he's in a much better position. Whereas if he plays it immediately to him, it kind of stagnates play and likely results in a back pass. And instead he leads him beautifully. Sidibe is able to run onto the ball, one touch cross, Richarlison making a brilliant run again at the far post, completely unmarked and slots at home because we know he's a really strong finisher. And from that point on, um, and, and that that goal led to probably a five to seven minute rendition of the Richarlison song, which is a great song for a player. I love it. And it was ringing out from the away end for, yeah, for a long, long time. Like even when I thought it was dying down over the TV, I could hear another chorus starting up again. So, I mean, we know how much all the fans and we love Richarlison. 
one of our best players. And it was really good to be back on a winning track. Yeah. And you know what? I love that from the fans too, because it makes me nervous with with Silva being in question sometimes this season, even honestly last season at some points, because you know that Richarlison followed Marco Silva to Everton. Obviously, Everton's a much bigger club than Watford, but he's mentioned specifically that he feels like Marco Silva is really good for him here and and he sees them as a father figure. And you also kind of wonder with Everton's lackluster performances, how long are players like Richarlison, Luca Dean going to stay? Because they can go much higher if they want to, like right now. And so it's really nice to see the fans really doing their bit. I mean, literally every week, anytime Richarlison is on the pitch, he doesn't even have to be having a good good match. They're going to sing his name. And, and, and I feel like that really helps. And you know what? It's icing on the on the cake when he scores like he does and he bites the badge every single time. Yeah, and one last thing on Richarlison because in the previous week, he came under a lot of criticism, even from the manager, about his ability to stay up when under contact. And I thought that that was a clearly different Richarlison than what we've seen in prior matches where he was he was focused on staying up. He wanted to stay up, play through contact, and and keep his keep on his feet. And the results were tremendous. I mean, he had some really nice dribble moves, was able to get into some really nice space, and he still draws fouls. And I think maybe that will just show him you don't need the theatrics. You don't need to listen to Neymar when you're on international break about flopping. He may he may be a really, tr- really talented player, but he doesn't know everything. And especially when you're playing in the Premier League, you're not going to get the sympathy from the referee all the time. And that was just something that I noticed as like a dramatic difference in how strong he was on the ball and how little he really was throwing himself about like he has tended to do really since he arrived at Everton. Yeah, that's actually a really good point that I I, I noticed like it was very noticeable during the match, but you know, it's it's a it's a, a flight across the continent and four days past now, so it's kind of hard to think back. But, you know, I I, I think that's a good point and I, I appreciated it too because Richarlison actually, unlike a lot of um, a lot of the very pacey, skillful forwards that Brazil, generally speaking, produce, he has the technique, but he's also got size and strength, which is not necessarily like the rest of them most of the time. Just just your natural, you know, your general what you think of when you think of a Brazil attacking player, you know, like Bernard. So it, it was really positive to see, and I think that it just it just lends itself to allowing him to continue to flourish as an attacking player and and just give him so many more tools in his arsenal. Yeah, so let's talk uh let's talk friend of the program. We wanted to give a shout out to someone from our Discord server, which is also a great opportunity for us to shamelessly plug our Discord if you haven't yet join it. Um as I say almost every episode, the link is on our Twitter. Check it out if you need the link, hit us up. We'll send it right over. Um, I believe it's invite.gg/atp. Um, so now you don't have any excuse. You don't even have to look anywhere. But we did want to highlight Tanner from Discord because he pointed out, I'm not exactly sure where he got the stat. So technically, we're kind of stealing it from the person who originally posted it, but we will uh, we'll appropriately attribute it later. And the statistic was that if you exclude the Man City match, because obviously that one, bit of an outlier, the 3-1 loss. So it kind of skews things a little bit. But nonetheless, we're averaging 0.4 expected goals against per match which is staggering because that's obviously less than one goal per two games. And so it kind of just emphasizes that and all the, all the advanced metrics, and this speaks to a larger trend about Everton do kind of highlight that 
the and, and it actually goes back to what you said something you said earlier Alex you said the performances have been really bad and I would contend that just based on some of the statistics and stuff that have been coming out that it's not the performances that have necessarily been bad it's the results that have been bad and we've been very unlucky in a lot of those and so maybe things aren't quite as bad maybe it isn't quite doomsday as much as many others would have us believe especially when you look at the table and the opportunity that's now presenting itself because there is very tight in the middle. You look at Liverpool running away with it, unfortunately. Uh, City below them, Leicester having an unbelievable year. And then after that, things open up quite a bit. And so there's a lot of time left. There's a lot of matches to be played. And we could still be right in the thick of it if we win a couple matches in our, and make no question about it, the next our run of fixtures going into December is going to be brutal. But if we can get some solid points, then we're going to be in good shape. I don't think that it's been as bad as people are making it out to be. Yeah, I think that's completely fair. Shout out to Tanner uh, before I continue. But um, for sure, I think that we've known that we've got screwed by VAR a handful of times, right? Referee decisions have been very poor in general. Obviously, you know, if we harp on the the uh, ESPN's luck index from last year, Everton were the most unlucky team in the league by far. I wouldn't be surprised if we're kind of close to it at the moment in the first, whatever, nine matches, however many match- matches we've played. I agree. That, I mean, the performances, they've just been flat. Maybe that's a better word to yeah, describe them, right? That's fair. Now, that's fair. yeah, you can attribute that, you know, the first handful were poor opposition in terms of style of play, and, and that feeds into how you can play. Obviously, you know, you're not going to be that flashy. Whereas City fans all said that we actually looked, they thought that we looked really good when we played City. And I think all of us did, right? And that that was a performance in which we we all were literally just sitting here thinking that and saying on Twitter, all over Twitter, that is that's what we've wanted, right? We just want some heart, some fight. We want to know that that they're up for it. You know, you can't stop a really beautiful free kick goal and, and that sort of thing. Obviously, the floodgates open, but it's true. It's just unfortunate. And it, I think the most annoying piece is the fact that like... Leicester City are who we should be right now. Like we really should be right now. Like we should be Leicester City. Um, and, and furthermore, even if we weren't Leicester City, we could literally just be Chelsea and be sitting in like fourth place right now, you know, top four. And and that's literally just, how about we just reverse like two VAR calls and we are literally sitting in fourth, maybe fifth place. That, you know, all the other performances and results withstanding. So it's it's unfortunate. It's very annoying Obviously, as you and I will always be, we're going to be hopeful. We're going to still tune into every minute of every match forever and ever. But this, these December fixtures lining up are going to be very, very, very hard on the squad. We're going to need Fabian Delph to get a new leg or something, maybe two. Um, robot leg. Literally give him just, a robot leg. Literally just, honestly, if we can't do that, go low budget and give him Lego legs. I don't care. Like Just put him on the pitch. Like Stand him up. I don't care. Um, because... We're gonna need we're gonna need everyone healthy that we can get healthy. You know, following those fixtures, ideally JPG will be back. But I know we're not gonna see him firing on all cylinders for you know until the spring. So hopefully we still have plenty to look for. Ideally, we'll we'll see Moise Keane um, in the squad for the next match against Norwich in, in a while. But nonetheless, yes, shout out to Tanner. We really appreciate you uh, being a really active member of the Discord community. Always um, talking to anyone that wants to talk and, and offering a lot of good statistics and sharing funny videos. So we really appreciate you. And uh, again, if you haven't joined our discord, please do. 
Yeah, and that goes to not just Tanner, but everyone who's an active participant. We really appreciate you guys. Uh, it's been really cool just to see the community grow and the really robust and interesting discussion that goes on in there day in and day out. And just to be able to engage with people who listen to the show has been, uh, it makes things much more real when you can actually uh, understand that there are people, actual people on the other end when we just put this out into the void that are paying attention to us. And I just want to circle back to you talking about the how unlucky we've been. Um, and one thing that you didn't mention that I just did want to touch on as well was the two own goals that we've conceded were both like kind of freak own goals. And if you take those away, um, the picture looks, again, slightly different, slightly in a more positive light. And when you're talking about a game that is played in such fine margins and matches points, three points versus one point or you know zero points can hinge on one decision or one moment. Um, I'm not saying that Marco Silva is out of the woods or that there's no chance that he gets fired, but I do think that the backroom at Everton probably, and even within the squad, they I think everyone kind of has confidence in the direction that things are trending right now. Well said, James. So one last thing before we wrap things up. Um, both Alex and I are now on Twitter. I've actually been on Twitter. I've had a personal account on Twitter since like 2009 or 2010. So I was like an early adopter to Twitter. But when we started the show, I, for whatever reason, just wanted to keep my personal Twitter separate from the podcast. And now that I've basically not been using it for the better part of a year, I figured it makes sense to just sort of attach it to the rebrand, re redesign, reinvent myself on Twitter. And um, so my handle is now at optimum velocity with a zero instead of the first O. And so give us, give me a follow and then I'll throw it over to Alex to plug in his Twitter as well. Yeah. So I actually had a Twitter for a good while, specifically through college, but it was a very carefully curated, very messed up timeline. And I realized going into uh, my future that employers probably wouldn't want to see it. Actually, I know they wouldn't. It was really terrible, but very funny. Um, so I deleted mine. However, I decided one of those things that I was talking about going on a solo trip and thinking about, I thought about it and I created one um, just for my sports opinions. I, I follow other teams and that sort of thing. So my handle is at big Alex Johnson. I'm probably going to change it at some point. The backstory behind it is literally some people call me big Al because it's ironic because I'm five foot seven. Uh, I actually didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't know how tall you were. If anyone's listening that doesn't know this, Alex and I have never actually met. We yeah, started true. this podcast remotely. Uh, so I didn't know that you were 5'7". That's interesting. I mean, whatever. That's not that short. So hey, fine. man, I'm just out here getting it. You feel me? I feel you, dog. Southeast word up. So anyway, <laughs> at, big, at Big Alex Johnson, uh, it's ironic. And, you know, let's see what happens. Yeah, and now I'm excited because I can call you. Because with the, with the one Twitter account, if one of us says something – we kind of have to stand by it and stick to it. Now, if you have a take that crosses the line or is a little too spicy, I cannot call you on your shit. All right, we've digressed, guys. We're going to wrap things up here. We'll be with you guys. I uh, Probably record at the weekend. It's the international break. It's kind of depressing. I really just kind of want Everton back against Norwich, but we'll be coming, with you guys, coming to you guys with some new content uh, very shortly. So stay tuned. And until next time, up the toffees. Thanks for tuning in to the American Toffee Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at USA Toffee Pod to stay up to date on the latest episode releases and Everton news. And we'll see you guys next time.